from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The Drive with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 The Fan. Let's go ahead and jump into the starting five, as always, starting with number five. Canes lost last night. The good news is they play again this weekend against the Islanders. And the good news is they have roughly 70 more games. So there's there's plenty of more opportunities. And the good news is Andre Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, Seth Jarvis is going to contribute to two assists on those two goals. <laughs> According to bold predictions, there, there's going to be a real, real, real explosive first line for the uh, the Canes the forwards uh, with Svech, Jarvis, and, and Ajo all getting it done. But if we're being honest... Isn't that what it kind of feels like this this season's been lacking so far? Well, yes. I mean, in part because uh, Svetch has been, been – I mean, this past game was the first one he was back up with the first line. Yeah. And Ajo even missed whatever it was, three, three four games uh, in the middle of that that uh, that road trip. Uh, so, so it's been missing – their dudes have been missing from a production standpoint, but in some cases their dudes have actually been missing – not just from production. Like, they haven't been in the lineup. Uh, and, and Jarvis has been playing well. I think Jarvis is due for a big season. So, uh, there's a lot to, to excite there. Actually, matter of fact, bring up the uh, the Adam Gold two minutes of hockey. Uh, we'll, we'll give everybody uh, the, the Adam Gold breakdown here when it comes to the loss to the to the Rangers last night before I get into why I was so frustrated by it. Uh, did I get the thumbs up there? All right, here's Adam Gold with two minutes of hockey. Raleigh 88, two minutes high sticks. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. All right, boys and girls, I've got two minutes for two minutes times five times two. And it's all brought to us by Dysart Willis, High Stakes Litigation and Defense. And what I mean by that formula, two minutes times two minutes times five times two is over the last two games, the Hurricanes have been penalized ten times. Their opponents only three. Hmm. Rod Brindamore was not happy about that, although on the scoreboard, it didn't necessarily impact the Hurricanes. Definitely impacts the flow, and that's where Rod Brindamore is upset. That was a pretty even game. I thought both teams were playing hard. We're in the box five times, and at 10 minutes of that power play, you know, they got one. They're, we got lucky that they only got the one, and we're, we get two power plays. Like it's, the other night, we have kill five and get one. Like There was an icing at the end. I don't know why they just waved them off. The game's on the line. That's, that's, that's too easy a call to make. So that's, that, that's my frustration at the moment. But let's get this straight. Going into last night's game, the Hurricanes had been shorthanded 40 times and had been on the power play 40 times through 10 games. So it's hard to make the argument that referees are unfairly singling out Carolina because the penalty scales had balanced out. But that doesn't mean that last night's game isn't the outlier. Maybe Carolina was treated unfairly. I will say this, Jacob Truba wasn't hit by Martin Natchez's stick. He pretended he was hit by Martin 
Natchez's stick. And then he begged to the referees to get a penalty on Martin Natchez. And guess what? He got it. Not from the official who was right there, but the official who was across the ice. Huh. Seems a little odd, right? And then the Rangers, of course, complained that Sebastian Ajo is not, I guess, tarred and feathered because he and Adam Fox collided knees. Sebastian's leg was not sticking out. It was straight up. It's an unfortunate incident. I hope Adam Fox will be okay. It would be really dumb to jeopardize your own knee to hurt somebody else's knee. That's where I'm coming from. But the bottom line is, I really think Carolina just wasn't as good as they needed to be to beat the Rangers last night. Pretty even game, but the Rangers' chances might have been a little better. Ultimately, though, being shorthanded for 10 minutes is not as advantageous as being shorthanded for four minutes, which is what the Rangers want. Dysart Willis, defending people the right way. DysartWillis.com. Thank you very much to Adam Gold, our good friend. Hear him every weekday right here on 99.9 The Fan from noon to 3, also pre and post for Kane's broadcast. Um, here's the the here's why I think it's frustrating. Everything Adam said there is true. I mean, a lot of referee talk in that two minutes of hockey. I think it's frustrating when you play well enough to win and you don't. And you have someone other than you to blame because you kind of hide behind it, but you know deep down you had the opportunities to, to make it happen, right? It's, it's yeah, our defense played well. You only gave up two goals. It's pretty good. We had chances, sure. You did. The refs took it from us. And you may say that. You may think that. Rod in the postgame talked about how frustrating the discrepancy in power plays was. But deep down, I think everybody knows, like, if we just communicate better on defense, we don't even give up the two goals. Tony D'Angelo doesn't get out of, out of position. Or uh, if if we execute a bit better on, on our uh, attack, then, you know, maybe there's a few more opportunities that we could have taken advantage of. It only took one or two, and the whole game would have been different. There's there's – it's one of those deals where you may say, oh, the ref's this, the ref's that. But even fans know it's like, yeah, we probably should have still won anyway. Finish chances, too. Feels like a lot of this season has been what guys besides Tavo Teravine and Seth Jarvis, Marty Natchez, like what, what other guys are going to come in and start giving those guys competition as far as leading gold scores? Very good point. Either way, they lost. It's one game. Don't let it uh, beat you twice. This weekend against the Islanders, go get the win. That's number five. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. Miami at NC State this weekend. Night game. Let's talk Miami for a second here. Miami is what they have been for the last 20 years. They are a team that has physical ability. They have speed. They have a quarterback with all the the arm strength that, or, or you know, they always have you know the the physical intimidation factor, but they can't put it together. That doesn't mean they can't beat any team on any day. Right, if you have the physical ability, you're not going to get run out of the gym. Here's Dave Doran on what makes Miami's offensive line so good at protecting that strong arm quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. Well, their ability to run the football is part of it. You know, when you're not a one-dimensional front, it helps. You know, running the football is not going to allow sacks to happen, and they're committed to running the ball. Uh, quarterback gets the ball out quick. It's the other part of it, and they're good in pass protection. It's a big group. You know, they've got length and size and 
their backs are part of that as well. You know, they do a good job, and sometimes they're in max protections where it's just hard to get there. Here's the thing. I don't think you have to get home on Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke is, is like I've said a few times here, a physically gifted passer. I don't think you have to get home and get him on the ground, but you better be in his line of vision, right? There's kind of two bad – actually, there's probably a billion bad ways, but two main bad ways for a quarterback to deal with pressure. One of them is hold on to it and panic. That's how sacks happen. That's how strip sacks happen. That's how you get that the happy feet where you look like you're a, a rat in a maze with all dead ends. Where you're just like, no, 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 no. That's a problem. The other way is when as soon as you feel pressure, that's the, the trigger, the alarm going off that just says, get it out of your hands. Whether you know where you should throw it or not, whether the guy is open or not, whether the defense is uh, illuminated where you should throw or not, you're just going to cut it loose. Van Dyke has some of that. He has so much trust in his arm that it's like, uh-oh, pocket's closing in. There's a window 20 yards downfield that is a two-foot-by-two-foot two box. I'm going to gun it in there just to avoid the sack. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be decisive. That's how you end up throwing seven interceptions in your last three games. So if I'm Davin Van, if I'm, you know, Jackson, if I'm if I'm any of these defensive linemen for for NC State, I'm not getting frustrated if I don't get home. As long as I'm getting pressures, as long as the pocket is collapsing, as long as I am aware that Tyler Van Dyke is aware of me, I'm saying I'm good things are happening, and now I have to lean on the defensive backs to be in position to make the play in the linebackers. Yeah, even in that 29-26 win against Vic, against Virginia in overtime, he finished 20 of 30 with 163 yards, but finished with two interceptions. To me, Van Dyke just seems like the kind of quarterback, and after watching him play at Car against Carolina this past season, he tends to force things when they're not there. And I feel yeah. like that's what it comes back to when you say the pocket's collapsing, there's pressure in your face. It's It's – it is that. It's forcing it when it's not there. But also, it's sometimes th there are guys. Will Levis was this way at Kentucky. And obviously, he's working on it with Tennessee. He looks better in the NFL. Uh, but there are guys that just have the arms where you can't tell them there's no window there. Right? They, they might understand there's no window there. And, and they're, you know, actually, I'll tell this story real quickly here. Um, Mike Glennon is my co-host on, on the Pack Therapy podcast. Uh, long time NC or long time. He was the NC State quarterback for a couple years, uh, and and he played in the NFL for ten years. Uh, he's also my cousin. Okay, so so we followed each other for a long time, and we both played. You know, I played FCS, so I'm not trying to say it's the same, but we both played college quarterback. And uh, one time he told me, and my coaches had not given me this bit of advice, um, that, and this is one of those like, oh, that's the difference between a college quarterback and an NFL quarterback type thing. Uh, one time he told me that his coaches told him if a defender is running with your receiver and you see the back of their head, basically like the, the teaching point was hit him in the back of the head, hit the defender in the back of the head. Because if they're face guarding, they won't see it coming. And then as your wide receiver goes to make a play on the ball, they'll get defensive pass interference. So even if the guy is covered well, if he has no awareness for where the, the quarterback is throwing, Peg him in the back of the head, and uh, and it'll be a defensive pass interference. Now, obviously, that's the teaching point. What the the coach is saying is basically 
throw it so that the defender will be between the receiver and the ball and your receiver can draw the flag. So he tells me this, right? Because we're, whatever, we're going over film or what's going on in each other's season. And literally that week, I, I tell my coach, like, hey, you know, this is what they're teaching at NC State. Like, is this something we should think? And he's like, all right, we'll think about it. You know, I'll watch some film. You know, it sounds like a kind of a sketchy strategy, but if they're doing it and I respect those coaches, yeah, whatever, whatever. So then uh, we play that weekend. We play at noon and State played at, say, 8. So I'm done. My season's over. I go out to dinner. Then I'm like, all right, I got to go watch Mike's game. I'm watching the game, and there's a go route down the sideline. And this is not an exaggeration. The ball bounces off the back of the corner's head. And, of course, the announcers are going like, whoa, Glennon underthrew this one. And I'm going, you don't even understand right now. He was trying to hit a moving target on the back of the head from 35 yards, and he popped it. He he bullseyed, and the ball, and it was pass interference, and it was exactly like it played out. And I literally went and showed my coach that that film, and it ended up being like, all right, yeah, if you can do that, go ahead. And and then I realized like, oh, my receivers need to be more open than his receivers do, right? If there's a one foot by one foot box, he's thinking I can fit it in there. I'm thinking that guy's covered. Tyler Van Dyke has the the Mike idea of what someone is open. But also, he doesn't always pop the guy in the back of the head, right? He he can miss. That's where those interceptions come in. That's where those turnovers come in. So let him trust his arm. Speed up his clock. Let him trust his arm and take advantage on the back end. You can turn him over. I think that's going to be the key for NC State. Can they get the ball the ball out of uh, the, the offense's hands and, get, and force some turnovers when, they are, uh, when State's defense is on the field? That's number four. Let's get to number three. One, two, three. Sam Howell and Washington versus the Patriots. A.K.A. young quarterback, less than a year of starts against Bill Belichick's defense. This is graduate-level stuff for Sam Howell. Okay? This is, you know, he went from waking up at 8 a.m. for English 110 or 101, right, which is a nuisance, but it's not that hard, to, all right, we are in you know, graduate level calculus 435. Good luck, right? It got a lot tougher. Bill Belichick is the defensive mind that he's always been. He might not have the players on defense, like the the physical ability on defense that he's had at times, right? He doesn't have the Richard Seymours, the Ty Laws, the uh, McCordys, or whoever else, but he can still scheme up a, a, a game plan that a young quarterback will have their head spinning. This is one where my advice to Sam Howell would be completely comfortable throwing it away and walking to the sideline and asking your quarterback's coach or Jacoby Brissett, your veteran backup, and ask them, what the heck was that? Right? Feel free to say, I, I didn't know what I was looking at and I didn't want to force it. Right, so often you drop back. The safety's not where you thought he should be. The corner's not where you thought he should be, and you're like, "Well, let's see if we can find a completion." And then, of course, guess what? There's a linebacker where you didn't think he should be, and that's where you threw it, and it's an interception. If 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 Bill Belichick is running the defense, be completely okay to say, "Got me. He got me on that one." You know, good call, coach. Throw it away or run. Pick up five if you can. Pick up positive yards. Check it down if you can and say, touche, tip your cap to him. 
Maybe I'll get you next time. You're just you're not going to out outsmart him. And and I know Belichick is getting a lot of negative press this year. He's getting a lot of oh, has the game passed him by? Defensive football will never pass him by. The offense, yeah, okay, fine. He had a, a quarterback in Mac Jones that needs a lot of help, and they didn't give him a lot of help. GM Bill Belichick did not help the offense. Defensive coordinator Bill Belichick is still bringing the fastball. Worry about that if you're Sam Howell. Uh, that's number three. Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. Last night, Duke beat Wake. Winning ugly is a skill. That's that's what you can take out of that. Would I recommend it? Uh, some teams make their entire living off of it. It's much more fun and aesthetically pleasing to not win that way. But there are teams. I mean, do you remember uh, Tennessee? the Tennessee Titans three or four years ago made a living on winning games 1917? And you're like, yeah. how do you even total 19? That doesn't make – what is that? A, is, is that – a touchdown and and four field goals. Like, what are we doing? It's a here? scoregami. Yeah, it's how do you get to nineteen? They're like, well, they gave us you know two extra points for punching them in the mouth, and it was a knockout. It's like, what? None of this makes sense. Uh, you can win ugly, but it is a skill, right? If you're used to being in pretty games, and then all of a sudden you're in an ugly game, you're gonna feel mighty out of place. Uh, Wake Forest did not play well, right? Missed kicks, turnovers. Uh, allowing uh, a quarterback in, in Grayson Loftus for Duke, who had not gotten anything going through the air, to beat you through the air when it mattered most in the fourth quarter. They're, they're, they did not play well. Duke, in many ways, did not play well. Interception, fumble, offense couldn't get much going. But once you realize you're in a game that's gross, once you realize you're in a game that's ugly, you might as well just win the ugly game, right? It's better than losing the ugly game. Use the same logic as this isn't even the, the case anymore. Um, remember wide receivers in 2003 going over the middle? If it was high, they'd jump to catch it. And, and if they caught it, they'd get smacked, right? Uh, safety would put their helmet right into their ribs, knock the air out of them. And then what would John Madden tell us? Well, if you're going to go up, you might as well catch it because you're going to get hit anyway, right? If you're going to play an ugly game, you might as well win it because it's not going to be fun anyway. And Duke won the game. That also means Wake, in an ugly game, lost the game. Here's their head coach, Dave Clawson, on the discipline that was lacking in that one. We talked about it last night. It's a rivalry game. It's in November. You want to play with emotion, but you don't want to play emotional. And we just made two really, really stupid penalties in the fourth quarter that, again, the one led to a touchdown, the other led to the game-winning field goal. So... It's a shame. Our guys competed really hard. I thought the preparation was great this week. I thought we were ready to go. And we, we lacked the discipline necessary to win a close football game. Discipline. I just had some of my own discipline there. Said a couple words before I realized my microphone was still off. Discipline. Wake it. It's, it's infectious. It's spreading. Discipline. Yeah. I mean, an ugly game that you don't win. What does your coach say? We don't have any discipline. An ugly game after your team wins? What does your coach say? Don't question our toughness and our fight, right? That's literally the script of last night. Both teams made bad bad errors. Both teams made bad mistakes. Duke won by the, the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. And after the game, Mike Elko gets to do the, I hope no one ever questions our fight. 
Meanwhile, Wake Forest made errors, made mistakes, made bad plays. Their coach afterwards, we're an undisciplined bunch. We're lacking the discipline necessary. If you're going to play in an ugly game, you might as well win. Because I mean, it's going to be ugly regardless. You're exactly right. The fact that Todd Polino, place kicker for the Blue Devils, only saw the field one time last night, and it was the kick, the game-winning field goal, just kind of tells you everything you need to know about that game. There's, yeah, there's not much you need to know about that game. Uh, but it's over in Duke 1, and they're bowl eligible. Uh, let's go ahead and jump to number one. The one! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Colts at Panthers this weekend. This was supposed to be maybe the most interesting nar- narrative storyline game of the year outside of the ones that actually affect like playoff seating because it was supposed to be Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson. The number one overall pick, diminutive in stature, against uh, another top five pick quarterback who had all the tangibles but none of the production. Right, You had the Heisman Trophy winner with a national championship ring from his time as a backup to Anthony Richardson who completed like 50% of his passes in college but did everything at the Combine to impress. Or Bryce Young who went to the Combine basically just to, you know, fingers crossed, measure in above 5'10". It was supposed to be that, and then in addition to it, Frank Reich up against the team that fired him a season ago. That's what it was supposed to be. Instead, we get Gardner Minshew against Bryce Young, and it's still Frank Reich up against the team that fired him last year. And as I've said all week, Frank Reich is going to want this one. This is one that you win, and and Frank, this is, it's the breakup, right? You want to win the breakup. This is the first time Frank Reich is out at a restaurant and he bumps into his ex. And you do the, oh, hey. Oh, yeah, I've been great. No, I've been good. How are you doing? Oh, wonderful. You seeing anyone? Oh, you are. Oh, they're right over there. Let me meet them. What are you hoping? You're hoping they're a little, little homely. Maybe, maybe, maybe a lesser version of you. Maybe not as successful as you. Like, that's that's what you're hoping, right? You may, you may not admit it. Maybe you really want what's best for them. But let's be real. Frank Reich's like, oh, Colts. Oh, good to see you. Wow, it's been what? It's been like a season since, yeah, it's been a while. Well, Shane, Shane, that's who you're with now? Shane Steichen? Okay. All right, how's it going? Oh, you finally drafted a quarterback high? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you never did that for me. Yeah, you made me go to all the free agents. Remember remember Matt Ryan? Yeah, that's what you had me do. Remember, remember Carson Wentz? Yeah, we suffered that together. Now you just went straight to the, the top draft pick for them, huh? Cool, cool. I'm happy for you guys. What's even worse is that they had Jeff Saturday oh, there prior. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I heard you were dating Jeff. Well, that, that, ended, that ended quickly That already? was quick, wasn't it? Yeah, that was right after we dated, like right after. Yeah, that was, that was weird. Oh, I'm not weird. Not weird, like weird. Weird, like... You know, it's just weird for me to see it. By the way, don't forget, you got to add the side, the awkward side hug. In oh, there too. oh, yeah. Is this okay? Are we allowed? Oh, give me a hug. Is that okay? Shane, is it all right? 
All right, we'll stop with that little role play. But my point is, Frank Reich wants to be the one who's like, yeah, look at my team. Oh, yeah, I got a, I got a top draft pick too. Ha-ha. <laughs> Mine's a little bit better and still healthy. Like, you, he, he wants to win the breakup, and that's what this is about. It's not about making the best draft pick and, oh, we're going to write hard and fast that Bryce Young is better than Anthony Richardson if he wins this game. Just like it's not hard and fast that he's better than, than C.J. Stroud because he won last game. It's not that at all. But I do think Frank Reich, on a personal level, on a personal, petty, competitive level, wants to win this one a little bit more or a lot a bit more. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.